Welcome to Center of Attention, the podcast. My name is Seth Everett. Normally, we do this show with either a former NBA player, Tom Thomas, or a host of other great broadcasters, including David Moulton from Fox Sports Florida, Jay Mariotti, longtime columnist and broadcaster, and many, many more. This podcast comes from a Twitch show. We do the show Monday through Friday live, 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. We'll take the episodes that we do online and turn them into this podcast. You can download this podcast at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you can find podcasts, but you can see the show live and on archive by going to the Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Seth Everett. And if you're an Amazon Prime subscriber, you can subscribe to the channel for free. That's right. Just link your Amazon Prime and a Twitch account, and suddenly you can subscribe to one channel and not pay a penny for it. You subscribe for free, and we get the subscription. Go to www.twitch.tv slash Seth Everett for more information. Now enjoy this episode of Center of Attention. You cut your hair. You got a new background. They used to confuse us in college. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they did. <laughs> Walking uh, through the mall. <laughs> Ryan Blackwell is here. And Ryan, thank you so much for doing this. And uh do you know the story of Wally Pip and Lou Gehrig? Uh no, not that no, okay. I don't. Wally Pip was a first baseman in the nineteen twenties for the New York okay. Yankees, mm-hmm. and he told his manager he had a headache and he took a day off. Lou Gehrig took over and played in two thousand one hundred and thirty consecutive games. Wow. So there's an old phrase, you don't want to be Wally Pip. I'm just going to tell a ton, you don't want to be Wally Pip. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's great. How are you? How are you? Good. How are you doing? Can't complain. Good. Uh, we didn't have a show yesterday because I was in Syracuse, of all places. That's and not I bad. I can't believe I was up there. It felt so weird. I sent you some of the pictures, right? Uh, No. You should, I, though. I have pictures in my classroom. My students are all wearing masks. They're all six feet apart, and they had to hold up a sign with their name on it for contact tracing. Wow. And that if what they do is they log that you were there then with these people. And if, let's say, for example, uh, let's say you, me, Atan, and uh, uh, Caleb are, are in a class, and, and Caleb's roommate gets COVID, mm-hmm. they contact trace. They say, who's been with Caleb? Who's been with him? Where has he been? What classes has he been in? And every person in the class then has to take a test. Wow. That is hard. That is NFL caliber contact tracing. Yeah, that's tough. I'm trying to figure out how we're going to do it with school, you know, because my school, we're scheduled to go back. You know, we have the hybrid learning. We got like Monday, Thursday, Tuesday, Friday, Wednesday cleaning. And then the kids that don't want to go have option just to stay on online only um, remote. So it's going to be interesting because teachers, you know, they're trying to, they're trying to sign a petition now to, because they don't want to go back. Teachers are scared and parents are scared and they're like, it's too soon. We need a little bit more time to figure this thing out and figure out the remote learning. And uh, so who knows? I I think possibly by October or something like that will be remote totally again. But I'll tell you one thing. I, I am a big proponent now after one experience, and maybe I should be mm-hmm. more open-minded, but I'm a big proponent now of all or nothing. Do it all virtual or all 
right. in class. I yeah. don't like half and half, and my class was half and half. My class had 16 kids. Nine of them were on Zoom. So the s- nine, my, uh, 16, seven. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just making sure <laughs> I got math. Seven um, were there, and they're right in front of me. So when I ask a question, they just blurt out the answer. The people on Zoom are on mute, and they have to unmute themselves and talk, and that's awkward. And that's I'm not awkward. blaming those kids. Please, if they're watching, I'm not blaming them. They were they, they didn't do anything wrong. But yeah. That I I didn't like that. I don't like that feeling. The camera is all the way in the back of the room, so I'm this big to them, and I have a mask on, so they can't even read my lips. Yep. I, the whole thing is hodgepodge, and it, that makes no sense. The kids, most of them had, um, and I got to tell you a corny, uh, corny joke I told. Some people thought it was really funny. Some people didn't like it. The people in the chat room, you can tell me if you think it's bad. I'll tell you my joke. But a lot of times the students got there. New York State law is if you are traveling from a certain part of the country, you have to quarantine for 14 days. So those students are not able to leave their dorms. Mm-hmm. You can imagine the first two weeks of college. You're in, a, you're staying in your dorm and you're not going anywhere. So that's why a majority of them couldn't go. But there was one kid that was sick. Now, not COVID sick, he claims. He claims he's not COVID sick, but he's deathly ill. He's got something. <laughs> he's got he something. Put his, he wouldn't put his camera on. And I don't know what he looks like, but his name is Ross. And he was pretty good. And he was saying how I'm not putting my camera on because I'm sparing you all. I look like hell. And I don't need you to see me throwing up and everything. And I'm just, I don't want to be Jesus. near anybody. And we were said, we appreciate that. Um, and then my question, because the class I teach is about podcasting. Mm-hmm. And what I asked everybody to do was tell me a little bit about your background, where you come from, what you're doing, what your situation is at school. And then what's your familiarity with podcasts? You know, and he just tells this whole sick story. And then he goes, as for podcasts, I'm pretty green. I don't listen to a lot of them. And I just go, the sick guy is pretty green. <laughs> it's corny. I know it's corny, but I, I don't know. For some people, it, it resonates. My mother thought that was a great joke. My wife didn't laugh at all. So That's I great. It. <laughs> it was it was weird it, it was yeah really weird i'm uh, sure it is but and, and and just to follow up on a topic that we've been talking about all week and then we'll get into some other news obviously today um college campuses are very strict in the classroom mm-hmm. they don't govern off-campus housing um fraternity row the dorms I don't know what the situation is, the dorms. And when I was walking out of Syracuse, uh, the, the, the new house building, there was a storm cloud coming. Like it looked like it was about to pour and it wound up pouring. So it was right. Um, so nobody was outside. Everybody had run for cover. So I couldn't tell how many people had masks or not. And I don't know. And the last point on this that I want to make is Alabama had 560 cases North Carolina has 210. The NC State football team uh, had to cancel their workouts because they had 25, and mm-hmm. Syracuse has three. Some something's not right. Something's not right. Tell, but like, what, what? How do you interpret that? Like, what do you think happens there? Like, do you 
how? How is that pop? Like, do you expect to see a hundred cases pop up at Syracuse in like five minutes? Yeah, at some point, because you know, like you said, the kids that aren't in the dorms, how do you gauge what they're doing? How do you know what they're doing? They could be out partying, they could be at bars, they could be downtown, they could be at the mall. You don't know where they are, where they're coming from, and if they're not getting tested, how do you know they're not spreading it? And now the CDC just said that if even if you've been around somebody, there's no need to get tested. They just said that like two or three days ago. So it's like, who do you believe and how do you know what's accurate and what's inaccurate? That's the, the biggest thing. It's so weird. I mean, the whole thing is so, so weird. It's crazy. Uh, it's, it's, it's strange. I don't, I don't know what to say. Um, yesterday, the NBA playoffs did not continue, but the NBA players agreed to resume their playoff um, in their bubble. The NHL canceled all their playoff games. Uh, a handful of Major League Baseball games were canceled. Um, what did you make of all that? How, how, how did you feel when you saw all this stuff in sports happening again? It's, it's crazy. It's a very crazy and unusual time. With everything built in together with COVID and everything, it's just like the most unusual year of our lives. And, you know, to see the NHL do it was very surprising because you look at NHL and and not that whether they want to stand or they don't, that's their prerogative, and that's great too. Um, but I was surprised to see them follow suit, you know, because you look at them kind of like the Republican League, so to say. Um, they stand for the flag, and obviously it's majority. You're talking about the NHL as the Republican NHL. League? I... Not the Republican League. I'm not going to say it like that. I no, won't no, say that. I, I, would, I would say it a little differently in that, to me, I've heard are, people say that. they are isolated. They're in Canada, and they're disconnected. So people have said that. I've heard that term. That's why I'm using okay, it. No, people say, oh, they're like the Republican League. Yeah, so yeah. whatever. I get it. Um, so it was, it was interesting to see them follow suit. And obviously, as a fan of basketball, I loved watching the games. I thought the games had been great. I thought the product that's out there, even though the guys haven't been playing for months at a time, I thought they were, the chemistry was starting to build on, on all the teams. And uh, so was, I was enjoying seeing that. And then for them to do that, obviously, there's reasons there, which is which is unfortunate, um, all the way around. Obviously, so it's just a really crazy time. I was very uh, impressed with the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, I just thought the way they carried themselves, um, they didn't come off childish in any way. Yeah, I thought they came out very mature. And if I'm a Bucks fan. I am proud to be a Bucks fan, in my yeah. opinion. What, what, was your, what was your Well, I guess that what I was reading, um, they made the decision. Obviously, they've had for, former some players that have had some issues, so I get that um, with police um, in the past. Uh, I don't know. I can't remember the player's name. Brown um, and another, another um, player. but uh, So I get that, but I guess some of the other players and teams were caught off guard. Mm -hmm. They felt like, you know, they kind of went they about it on their own and they should have communicated, right. Sure. Communicated, which I get too, because they're all in that together. They've all committed to being in that bubble and, you know, it's a huge business. So there are a lot of ramifications if they don't play, you know, monetarily speaking and other things involved, but so it's crazy, but I, I get it. I respect both sides. Just like I respect the NHL's decision when they decide to stand for the flag, I respect everyone's decision and, you know, their platform yeah the nhl I, the way i i read the nhl and 
I, I, I didn't talk to anybody about it, and I, I, I didn't even bring it up. I saw how they were getting ripped for playing on Wednesday night, and I thought that was inappropriate. They're, mm-hmm. My only point about the bubble is they all want to get out of there. Yeah. Like, delaying it? You're going to – like, I, I'm just saying what I thought their mentality – I don't think they thought – uh, for one second about it, and I think they were only doing it as a result of the backlash that they got because if you ask those players, they're like, can we get this thing over with? I want to go yeah. home. Mm-hmm. And they're in Canada, and yeah, a bunch of them, but there's a bunch of foreigners that are overseas during a pandemic. They're not racist for saying, I want to play. Like, right. I don't think there was one team that was – in there and there was one coach and I'm so sorry for forgetting his name but I read this early this morning it was one coach that said I shut off social media and the news and I didn't know what was going on yeah I'm psyched up for my game I'm focused on my game and I don't blame him for the sl- in the slightest I don't think he did anything wrong I didn't think the NHL had to do it I was pleased that they did and I yeah. think they I don't think there's a, a lot of um, controversy around it I just thought the the ripping of them, that's where social media gets to be obnoxious because people right. jumped on them. And I was just like, yeah. give them a chance. Like, I, I don't know. I've read a lot of comments. I read a bunch of comments and people were like, well, I've been a fan of NHL. If they're going to, you know, jump into politics as well, I'm done with them too. And the and Major League Baseball and NBA, I'm like, like, where does it end? You know what I mean? Like, what is the problem? Everyone has a has a point of view. Everyone seems to think that they're right um, well, on this every have to be aspect. Political. Right. This doesn't have to be political. And I, I, right. you know, I say the same things. I feel like I say the same things all the time. And you know who I normally do this show with. You know what right. a social activist he is. Yes. And, and I applaud him. And I want to get to something he did today uh, because I want to play that for you folks um, as well. But I am I am. I, I like the line that Bradley McDougal of the New York Jets uh, said, and I was on a Zoom with him, and he just said, I am sick and tired of being sick and tired. Mm. And when George Floyd when George Floyd was killed, we saw this outpouring. Right? We saw protests and shows, and CNN was doing live town halls, and Sesame Street even had a show to teach young kids what all this stuff was about, and everyone did it, and then... How long after did Breonna Taylor happen? Like, when did that happen? And now this is happening again. And it's so funny because I am such a pro-police person in Mm -hmm. the sense that I live in New York. And I saw 9-11. And New Yorkers, the police are the heroes. And I don't, I hate this. And so what I have said, and I said this to you off the air, and I'll say this to you on the air. What I want is I want to hear from police officers. Yeah. More than LeBron James. And I'm not disrespecting LeBron James, but I don't mm-hmm. care if they play the NBA playoffs or not, because that's not going to stop racist cops from shooting black people. Just like Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick did his thing. And Atan and I had our fights about this. Colin Kaepernick. My criticism of Colin Kaepernick is I wish he spoke out about the real issues more because Trump turned it into if you're against the flag, if you're kneeling with Kaepernick, you're against the flag. And I'm not against the flag. I love the flag. I, I'm fine for the flag. They had a mission and they weren't getting their message across. 
And that was my criticism of Kaepernick. That, and he wore a stupid Fidel Castro shirt, and I hate that. But, <laughs> yeah, but I get it. Uh, you, you, and, and my dad's Cuban. My dad's born in Havana, so I was insulted when Kaepernick did that. And that's not what Kaepernick's message should be. If, yeah. if, if you're gonna do that, something like that, then you got to go on the Today Show and Good Morning America and all the sports radio stations in San Francisco and talk, 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 and get cops involved. Because I, when I hear a cop denounce this stuff, that makes me feel like change is happening. Yeah, I have, you know, a lot of friends in Syracuse that are cops and that work for the police department and um, and law enforcement and judges and um, and they're good guys. They're great guys. They will give their shirts off their backs for anyone of any color. And I know that. And and I had a conversation with a friend of mine the other day, a couple weeks ago, and he said, Ryan. You know, we go into the neighborhoods and try to do our jobs. And he said, we're driving down the street and kids are giving us the finger, you know, and telling us to F off and, you know, basically giving them the cold shoulder. And they're just there to do their jobs. Like something happens, kids are getting shot. Syracuse right now, the city is parallel to what Chicago is going through. They said that statistically the same number of kids are getting shot in the inner city and they're going in there to do their jobs and they're getting, you know, what are you supposed to do? You know, and I feel bad for them, too, because I know he's a good guy and other other guys that I'm friends with are good guys, too. So it's like a no one situation. It's very disappointing because, like you said, it really comes down to communication. It comes down to, um, you know, how, how you grew up and the relationships you've had growing up. If if, you, if you're not used to being around a certain person your whole life, then maybe you look at them a certain way. So, you know, there's a big disconnect all the way around. And I'm not picking on your guy but can i use your guy as an example yes okay did your guy can you give me his first name so i don't keep calling him your guy just tell me his first yeah, name. Joe. joe joe okay joe does joe um who i'm sure is a good good dude i'm not questioning mm-hmm. that did joe go to any rallies i'm in not sure to be honest with when he's i'm not duty. sure okay that's a good question and, I, don't, and, I don't know and did he did he do that and could joe and I'm just putting this on him because I'm trying to get a point across. Mm-hmm. Could Joe go to a rally where there's a microphone or a megaphone and hold up his badge and say, can I speak? And go in, in one of these. And like I said, I, I, he can be white. He can be purple. I, I don't care. Mm-hmm. But can he hold up a badge and just say what happened in Kenosha, Wisconsin is absolute garbage and i don't blame any of you and i'm a cop and you do that and you get that at every precinct right and you'll affect real change yeah and that's why i said you know when when the rumor came out that the nba was going to cancel the whole thing and i said that's not the point you're yeah. losing its effectiveness because that doesn't solve anything Mm-hmm. And that's when the Republicans come out with their garbage about cancel culture. Right. Because we're not trying to cancel things. What I yeah. what I just want is I want black people to stop getting shot. Like, that's yeah. all I want. <laughs> that's 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 yeah. all that's that's all that this is supposed to be about. And when it becomes about sports, it becomes about sports. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. And it really goes to there's incompetence. As you know, there's incompetence in every form of life. Bad coaches, bad teachers, bad parents, 
bad doctors, bad lawyers. It goes on down the line. Then there's bad cops that are incompetent, don't know how to do their jobs. How is it that two cops cannot subdue one guy without shooting him seven times? Like how you can't tase them, you can't get out of billy club, you can't tackle them. So how are these people getting hired if they can't effectively do their jobs the right way? And I know people are going to say, well, these people shouldn't be, you know, running, running away from the law and diso being disobedient. And I get that part too. Of course, that's another issue in itself. But how is it that people can't walk away in handcuffs or tased or with a broken arm or shoot them in the leg or shoot them in the knee, you know, or something like that seven times in the back? That's pretty ridiculous. It's wild. It's it, it, it's it's wild, and you see those stories. And what I thought, I, I really did think that I thought Breonna Taylor was too soon to George Floyd for real impact to happen. So I, I'm not demeaning them, but I'm going to group them together. But we've had a good couple of months where this has been talked about. And, yeah. you know, Donald Trump says he doesn't want to watch the NBA because they have a Black Lives Matter on their on their on their court. And I'm that's your loss. And I, you know, that and it becomes about that. And I, I, it's not about that. And how can you be an ally? And what can I do? And, you know, yeah. a lot of good white people are going, uh, can we help? Can we yeah. help? like what can we do? What what? And now Trump do? just said came out and said he's willing or I, I think through his spokesman. Um, said, I'm willing to work and talk and help the NBA if they want to sit down and talk. So who knows you know, what value that has. You never he know when it's political. Yeah, I saw an article, I read an article, and uh, you know, everything's political a lot of times. And Right, he's running for office. Who knows? Right, he's yeah, he's running for office. On both sides, they're all running for office. They're so. all running for office. And it's yeah. going to be, that election is going to be, I'm, I'm going to propose to Atan. Tell me if you think this is a good idea. I want to be on live all day. I just want to be on live, and I want to watch him. I just want to watch the 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 sweat pour out of him. I just, <laughs> I just want to do a live stream all day. <laughs> I, oh man! <laughs> I don't know. I, I, Politics I, is a dirty game. It's so crazy. I just—it's crazy. Did I? Did he ever tell you the the story about when I didn't appreciate his reach? No. So we started this show. I've known Atan because last year we did that radio show in Syracuse. Mm -hmm. And as soon as the pandemic hit, they shut it down, which was dumb. Um, but Atan's thing was we don't have a platform to say stuff. There's a lot going on. And Twitch had reached out to me, and I didn't know what to do. And I said, if we can figure it out technically, can we do a show together? And he said, sure. So we do the show. And he wanted to sprinkle in politics. And I have never done politics on the air. Mm. I've never done that. But, okay, I'll run with it. And Bernie Sanders dropped out of the race. And he has on a campaign guy, uh, like not the manager, but a campaign spokesman or something for the Bernie Sanders campaign. And he mm. has him on our show. And my initial reaction was, I said, Bernie's people are adamant, like they're rabid for him. And Biden's people are very ho-hum. And I said, that's, you know, and to a degree, that hasn't really changed, you know, but, mm -hmm. but that's how it was. And I said to this guy, and I'm sorry, I forget his name, but I said, you know, what I would say is for Bernie to endorse Biden, they should go on a Zoom just like you and I are 
And Bernie should say, this isn't about whose name is on the White House. Like, I, that, that's not the important part. What's important is these issues. And, Joe, I'll get behind you, and my people will get behind you if you can do X, Y, and Z. Can you do two of the three? And Biden has to say it. He can't stutter. And he has to say, sure, I'll, I got it. Well, swear to God, five days later, they're gone damn on YouTube talking to each other virtually. And I went, holy moly. <laughs> I said, <laughs> and I said to a time, I said, I'm not doubting you ever again. Yeah. <laughs> I said, that's yeah. crazy. And, and then when George Floyd got killed, uh, he had Eric Garner's daughter. Mm-hmm. And he didn't tell me ahead of time. So I thought it was a WNBA player. But he had Emerald Garner and I was shaken to my core. Yeah. That was something. And I don't I don't question that stuff again. But anyway, our man uh, was actually invited to be on MSNBC. That's not the reason he's not on the show. Uh, He's at orientation for his kids high school. Oh, wow. And it's a drive by orientation. Drive by orientation for all nine. Mr. Has not left his house in five months is actually just going to drive his son to high school to meet, I guess, the teachers or whatnot. Um, I don't know. That's dedication, staying in the house. He's been in the house. That's crazy. Well, you know, he had the heart surgery. Right, I remember. He's high risk, and he said, I'm not going anywhere. He has not gone anywhere. Now, granted, in his house, he has a full gym. He has uh, a jacuzzi and a a pool, and he has, uh, uh, you know, 7,000 TVs and just crappy internet because, you know, we've seen him. (laughs) And you watch this thing because he was on MSNBC this morning and you'll watch his Internet craps out. And it made me laugh because now MSNBC knows how what I deal with every goddamn day. (laughs) That's great. But um, but anyway, he um, he was asked to be on MSNBC this morning and uh, we have it here on the show. So I'm going to unplug my uh, my headphones so you can hear it. Okay. Viewers are going to see it right here on the screen. So this is a Tom Thomas this morning. On MSNBC. Sports. You have this sense that the, the boycott yesterday kind of came out of nowhere, but that's not true. I mean, there's a long history going back to Muhammad Ali as a conscientious objector of the Vietnam War and really um, turning up the volume of their protests since Colin Kaepernick took a knee and paid a price for it. But talk about this moment right now. Tell me what's happening right now on these teams. Well, this is a moment where you're seeing athletes as a whole um, just say that enough is enough. And I think that right now, you know, what a lot of people don't understand is that they see athletes on TV. They see athletes like LeBron and, you know, um, everyone, they're, 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 they're playing, they're in their sport, they're in their craft. But they don't understand that they're fathers. They don't understand that they have these talks with um, their children. Every single time something like this happens, he told Robert Ori earlier, and, you know, I can relate to everything that he said as a father. Every, every single time something like this happens, I have talked with my with my children. Um, you know, my son is 15, uh, just turned 15, and I'm terrified for him. Every time something like this happens, I literally can't sleep for a few days. And I'm... There it is. To do it when he's stopped by the police and what he can't do, and you know he's going to be driving in a year, and that 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 frightens me in itself. So those are the conversations, the things that go through Avery's mind. Um, that for some reason makes you America thinks that we're in this protective bubble where these things don't really bother us or affect us, but that just isn't true. 
What do you think about Doc Rivers' statements and LeBron's uh, tweet yesterday? F this, enough is enough. Um, I mean, do, do you um, do you think that this will represent a next level? I don't want to use the word breakthrough because that seems like an artificial measure, but they have the country's attention. The NBA does right now by postponing um, the games in the playoff, by being in the bubble, by being together, and by having the country sort of really feeling this this vacuum at the highest levels of the federal government. Well, it's tough because you know you would think that the country would have taken notice as a whole um, a long time ago. Um, you know, this isn't the first case of police brutality, the first case of a, a black man being shot. You know, that's called on video. Um, but I, I think that what, what makes this different is that the entire NBA um, had a work stoppage, had a boycott, and now are voicing that, that, that they want change and they want it now. So now it depends on where you go from here. There's a lot of different directions they can go. Yeah. Um, I, wrote a, I wrote a column for The Guardian, and, I'm, and I was urging for them to push the NBA CEOs, um, I don't call them owners for obvious reasons, but I mean, NBA CEOs to really use their power and their influence to be able to push for, for laws to be changed in the cities where their teams are. So, for instance, Mark Cuban in Dallas, he has a lot of power and a lot of political clout in Dallas. So he can even you know, put pressure on the, um, on, on the city to be able to say, okay, if the Dallas Police Department doesn't adopt some of these um, mm -hmm. principal uh, police reform, these, these, these different protocols, that we're going to withhold funding from you. And I bet you would see change happen immediately. And that's what I want to see. Take that next step. Because, you know, NBA, these are billionaires. We're talking about, you know, uh, Mick Harrison in, in, in Miami. We're talking about, you know, uh, Tim Yosis in D.C. These are billionaires, and they have power to be able to really push for change. It's different for millionaires. So millionaire NBA players are doing a terrific job of letting their voices be heard, letting their objections be heard. But I really want to see the next level because I want change to actually happen. It's a perfect point because these are the same billionaire owners who get cities and towns that can't fix their bridges or schools to build them beautiful stadiums. So that, that's, a, that's a brilliant point. I want to ask you about um, LeBron James' effort to, uh, we spent a lot of uh, time talking about the effort to uh, really impact voter suppression and, and to make it easier for people to vote, to turn some of these empty arenas since everyone's playing in Orlando in the bubble into giant voting precincts. Is there, is there an, a, an opportunity to draw more attention to that, to engage more players and teams in that effort? Oh, definitely. I mean, what, what the players of LeBron is doing is really ramping up a voting um, effort. It's phenomenal. I mean, the way that he is, you know, when you talk about him in particular, the way he is using his platform is on the level of the athlete activists that we've seen in the past. And I, I think that you have somebody at the top of their craft um, using their voice, using their platform, and pushing people for actual change. I saw a quote where he said uh, just a few days ago that 50% of his mind is on the playoffs, and the other 50% is on how he can help his black people. And that's powerful. That's a powerful statement to make. So, yes, what he, and what he's doing also is making it easier for other players to be able to stand up. If you remember, you know, a little bit of a period of time in the 90s, things were a little bit quiet. Um, things were a little bit different. The whole the whole climate of the NBA was different. Mm -hmm. um, and now you have the top player 
who was speaking out. The top player is saying he's not going to shut up the rule. You know, we're like, oh, Laura Abrams told him to do. He's going he's gonna to speak out. He's going to talk about politics. He's going to, you know, um, come back at Trump. He's going to, you know, talk about voter suppression. He's going to talk about, you know, police killings of our black men and women. He's going to do everything and be that Muhammad Ali type of mouthpiece in this day and age. And it's inspiring for all other athletes um, who are really following behind him. So I, I think it's a beautiful thing. Things you're in. Oh, there's a lot there. What's, what was yeah. your reaction? And first of all, he never dresses like that for this goddamn show. <laughs> um, yeah, it's great. Um, like you said, Eton utilizes platform to the utmost of his ability, which is great. He's always been that way. Um, he's passionate about, you know, his activism, which is great. And I've always respected him for that. Um, and talking about LeBron and, and Mark Cuban um, and Mickey Harrison. And I mean, they have a lot of power and influence. And if they can utilize that to a positive way to, to affect change um, in a positive way, why not? I see why not. They have a lot of money, a lot of influence, and a lot of power. And all the owners do in all the cities. But with that being said, also, we can never, you know, I think back to, you know, my parents, um, my parents grew up in the South. My grandparents grew up in the South, poor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, they had to deal with a lot too in the South, Alabama, Kansas. I mean, they dealt with racism a lot more than that we even do now. We have a lot more freedoms than you, we do now. Your parents grew up in Alabama or you grew up in Alabama? My parents did and my okay. grandparents, obviously. So, you know, they dealt with a lot, but also we have to, and I have conversations with my friends all the time. That is also good, but there's got to come a point when we have to internally fix our culture from within. So it can't just be always, what is Mark Cuban going to do? What is Mickey Harrison going to do? We also on our end have to do a better job of fixing our own communities and teaching our children values and things because it's not just going to be on them. You can't just put it on somebody else and say, you have to do this for us. Uh, We, we need change from, politicians and uh, Democrats or Republicans. It's got to be a, you know, an effort on all sides. The idea that an owner could do it. Um, with that, that can't be league wide. So it can't be uh, just play this out for me. It can't yeah. be Roger Goodell. Mm-hmm. It has to be the owner of the Chicago Bears. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because it has to be localized to impact local and the players it's got to be the players too because this is really what the players are doing it don't you think i think they could do more but what the owners I mean, can say the owners can right. come out and say is the, the owner of the chicago bears can so we're speaking about say, cops this is what we're talking about yeah we're talking this about is, cops. okay like okay what we need to do is we need some kind of police reform Yes. Okay. Again, I'm not I'm not a politician. I don't I don't know. But some kind of police reform. And the owner of the Chicago Bears can put his money where his mouth is and says, if that happens, my team's not taking the field Sunday. Okay. That could people would react. Look at how fast Dan Snyder changed the name of the Washington Redskins when FedEx pulled out. Yeah. Right? And Dan right. Snyder's a scumbag anyway. But the, this idea, 
that you could Eton's have... favorite guy. Oh, well, he's a, he's a scumbag. I mean, and now you're yeah. hearing about the calendar. Did you see that? No. So now there's talk about, uh, I guess, the cheerleaders went to a beach to film a calendar, you know, take photos for yeah. a calendar. And uh, a, ca- a bunch of cameras took pictures of them changing. And they s- made a like a like a little video and they circulated it throughout the office. Wow. And, and I mean, what a joke of an organization like how does that happen I, yeah that's crazy and i and i made the comment the other day like i am the most open-minded human being you'll ever know <laughs> but everything has to be consensual my god right right yes like that's yes. awful right and uh i just it, it, it's amazing you know you're starting to see a little bit um the owner of the sixers um, who also, also owns the New Jersey Devils, they committed $20 million to, uh, I think, the police benevolent? No, I, no, it wasn't that. It was it was something to raise awareness of Black Lives Matter, and it was mm-hmm. it, it had the intention. But, you know, what, what the, the sick... Like, again, take the pandemic away, right? Just say, if there's not real change in Philadelphia... Tuesday night's game is not going to be on Comcast Sportsnet. Say that. And you'll piss off, uh, you know, the, the network. And you know what you'll say to the owner? The owner can say is, we'll pay what you would have earned if we had played that game on your network. We'll pay all your advertising. No. That's change. That's real change. Right. And that's what has to happen more than the Lakers and Clippers say they don't want to play the season. Right. Right. The uh, the other story that I think has to be told is: Did you see Dom Smith, the outfielder for the Mets? I guess his name is Dominic Smith, but they call him Dom Smith. Okay. And I don't know him. I used to work for the Mets, but I don't know him. He's young, and he was in tears. Like if you Google him, he was in tears when mm-hmm. he spoke with the media uh, about what had happened with the. With with uh, in in Wisconsin, and <clears throat> they had this idea that the Marlins and the Mets were going to take the field. They wet, they put their uniforms on and they took the field. So the networks all went to their pregame shows, and the play by play announcers all took over at the top of the hour. Like they <clears throat> all did that, and then. Uh, one guy on the Marlins took it. It might have been Dom Smith of the Mets. I I, I don't know. I was driving. But uh, they took a Black Lives Matter T-shirt and they draped it over home plate. I and, saw, oh, I did see that picture of and that. both teams left and they didn't play. I they saw got, the picture of that shirt. They got in full uniform. They were ready to go. Pitchers were warming up and they were never going to play. So they pump faked them. Yeah. And... There was a idea, and I have to clarify who these people are mm-hmm. in my own personal way. Jeff Wilpon, who's the owner of the Mets, uh, who's a scumbag about uh, uh, he he gives Dan Snyder a run for his money, um, just a, a jerk, and he and I had many run-ins, which we're not talking about. And Jeff Wilpon suggested to MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred, who also I'm not a big fan of right now, um, that what they would do is they would sit out for an hour and then at 8 o'clock come back. 
and play the game. Mm-hmm. For an hour? They were just going to sit out. No one would know what they were going to do. And then in an hour, come back. And Brody Van Wagenen, who is the general manager of the Mets, who used to be a player agent. That's, that's his claim to fame. Like he, mm-hmm. he was a very powerful player agent who's now the GM of the baseball team, which who knew? And, and he thought the idea came from Manfred, not from Jeff Wilpon. Mm-hmm. There's three people in the Mets interview room, and the stream is still on. And Brody Van Wagenen goes, this is one of the dumbest ideas I've ever heard. Rob Manfred is tone deaf, and he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. And this doesn't leave this room, but my God, we can't do that. <laughs> and it was live. And it was live on Mets.com. Oh, that's great. And some kid with 400 Twitter followers recorded it and posted it on Twitter for his friends. He was doing it for, he's not trying to be big. And yeah. it went viral. To wow. the point of the Mets had to issue, and I have the statements because I'm still on their goddamn ma- mailing list. Um, even though I, this organization, th- this is one of the classless organizations I've ever seen. And I've worked for a bunch of teams, and 85% of them I've left on wonderful terms. But, man, this is this is something else. Oh, I'm getting the – I'm loading the uh, the. That's statements. crazy. So this is um, – this is Brody Van Wagenen. Uh, this is a statement, and it says, Jeff Wilpon called Commissioner Manfred this afternoon to notify him that our players voted not to play. They discussed the challenges of rescheduling the game. Jeff proposed an idea of playing the game an hour later. I misunderstood that this was the commissioner's idea. In actuality, this was Jeff's suggestion. The players had already made their decision, so I felt the suggestion was not helpful. My frustration with the commissioner was wrong and unfounded. I apologize to the commissioner for my disrespectful comments and poor judgment in inaccurately describing the contents of his private conversation with Jeff Wilpon. So that came out at 718. Mm-hmm. And so your message, you left the field at 704 and 12 minutes later, you're doing that. Right. This team doesn't know how to get out of its own stupid way. So yeah, then, that's bad. This is bad, right? This was a statement from... Uh, Fred, uh, Jeff Wilpon, Jeff, well, to clear up any misunderstandings, it was my suggestion to potentially look into playing the game later because of scheduling issues. Brody's misunderstanding of a private conversation was as, and is inexcusable. We fully respect our players and the Marlins players decision to not play tonight and appreciate the sincerity of all those who wish to draw attention to social injustices and racial inequalities that must be addressed. The entire Mets organization remains committed to creating meaningful change in our society. Sounds like lack of communication all the way around. And On the yeah, that's bad. Do you think? Do you think though that Brody Van Wagenen doesn't get fired, but the guy who left the stream on Mets.com does? <laughs> you never know. Like, what does that guy make compared to what Brody Van Wagenen makes? Oh, nothing. 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 If. <laughs> He's and, definitely getting cursed out by somebody. And it always is, it always is your, oh, your the microphones are always live. You morons, yeah. your microphones are always live. Like right. you heard Tom Brenneman last week, the, uh, the announcer, 
Uh, you heard uh, Mike Milbury make those awful comments about uh, there's no women in the bubble <laughs> to, to distract the players. Yeah, which yeah. is which is I it, it is so stupid to say on a microphone. Yeah, like I would even though it makes sense. Right, <laughs> it, it it's just you can't say that, and how these people don't know any better is amazing. And Brody Van Wagenen, and I don't know Brody Van Wagenen personally, but man, he doesn't come off as really smart. Yeah. I don't know. I I don't know him at all. Actually, I've never even heard of him. So, well, consider yourself fortunate. Uh, That's that. bad. So, where do sports go from here? Good question. On a lower level, the high school, we're still trying to figure out what we're doing. You know, this is this is crazy. So, football can't play in New York State, but soccer can play. Soccer is a physical sport too. I mean, you're literally right next to someone running up and down the field, you're sweating. And the parents are going nuts because they're allowing soccer to play and maybe one other sport, but not football yet. And so they're trying to figure out how to, you know, Cuomo decide that soccer wasn't, you know, how, how do you play soccer, not football? How do you figure that out? So that's on a smaller level. Maybe we're going to play basketball in January. Um, so I don't know. You've got the things with COVID and you've got everything with, uh, you know, everything that's going on in the world, um, well, you're a on coach. a bigger spectrum. Explain to our audience who you coach and where you work. Cause last time we had uh, you on, you were at the, the TBT, right? I was at the TBT coaching Bayern's army. Right. Um, so I coached Liverpool high school, which is a large high school in Syracuse, right outside of Syracuse. So. Uh, I coach the var- boys varsity basketball team. So I've been doing that for, this will be six years. Um, yeah. So are you a teacher in addition or just a basketball coach? Teacher assistant. So I push into classes and help kids out. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. That's, and do the kids in Liverpool, like, do they know who you are? Uh, yeah. I mean, that because their parents know. Um, right. And obviously they have YouTube and they have, they can just look me up, but I've been coaching Bayheim's Army too, so that, you know, helps keep me in the public eye too, so they you know kind of get a kick out of that as well. Because I, I don't, I don't want to change the subject too much, but I just have to tell you, uh, when I was up in Syracuse last year, I did a a, a radio show with Lawrence Moten, and you know he's in the in a Syracuse yes. school system as well, mm-hmm. and he handles the troubled kids. Oh, uh, he's he handles, got yeah. He has. A, I think it's Hillside, Hillside or something like that. He works at yeah. But he handles um, like kids that are in trouble. He's like a counselor. Yep. And I meant this in the, and he laughed. And this is not a problem, but I mean, no disrespect in any way to his job and how hard his job is. But I said, so if I'm a kid at this school and I want to meet Syracuse great Lawrence Moten, I just punch the kid next to me and I get to have a one on one meeting with him. Pretty much. <laughs> We've had to send a lot of kids from Liverpool uh, to Hillside because they couldn't cut it at Liverpool. So, you know, we sent them their way. Just, yeah. I was just like, hey, I, I would have loved if, if I was 11 and I found out a Syracuse legend is in my high school. I would, I would, I'd be like, hey, man, take one for me. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I got into one fight, one fight in my life, like a real fight. And we beat this kid up, me and two friends. And I did it. And I was like nine years old or eight, ten years old. Yeah. It was in elementary school, and my mother was a substitute teacher, and she was a sub in this uh, the 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 um, 
special ed. Yeah. You know, so she was a special ed sub. This is this this story makes me sound awful, but it it's it not. It's um. We were we were I was I was in fourth or fifth grade, and there was an incident in the special ed, and I guess this guy, this kid, um, he didn't hit my mom, but he like pushed her or something, and you know how rumors spread around school. Mm. By lunchtime, it was, you know that this kid Vernon beat you, punched your mom. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? And I was ten. <laughs> and I was yeah. just like. He punched my mom? How can you do that? And I beat the crap out of him. And that I felt good. really bad. <laughs> stick up for your mom. She I can't be mad. I my mom. Yeah. And these two kids, they pinned him against the fence and I decked him in the chest. And I, I remember it. And I remember it. it's the only time in my whole life I've ever been in a real fight. And that was the only one. And I was defending my mom's honor. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Okay. It did. I get a pass up, on that one. But I beat up a special ed kid, so it wasn't a good thing. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's not cool. <laughs> <laughs> and and I was white and he wasn't. And <laughs> it was it was a bad scene, but I had good intention. <laughs> I had a very good uh, intention. So okay, so back to sports that yeah. are sports that professional are professional sports. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is sports that are not financially driven Mm -hmm. is there even a debate what's the debate i understand why the nfl's trying even though doctors would tell you that's probably not a good idea i get it while while they're doing it and as long as they have zero tests i have Mm -hmm. no i will not criticize the nfl for playing they have zero tests when they have 150 tests then we'll talk about whether or not they should be playing the nfl gets a green light in my opinion Mm-hmm. But sports that have no financial motivation, it's mm-hmm. just for the good of the kids. Yep. Is there a debate? I think the kids need to play. You know, that's just the social interaction, the what they get out of sports, uh, the mental, physical, and social, you know, positive aspects of that. Um, you know, I think they need to play and we just got to figure out, but people are trying to say, okay, if you're not in school, how are you going to play sports? And I get that too. If you're not going to go to class and you're not at school, how can you play sports and go practice? True. It's just kind of hypocritical, which I get too. So it's hard. It's hard to say. I want the kids to play in a, as a coach. I want to coach. You know, that's what I love to do. I, I, I'd love to get my teams in gyms. We have a brand new $20 million facility at Liverpool and we can't even get inside the gym to do anything because the governor says so, you know, you can do stuff outside soccer and whatever else we can't even practice or I can't even have camps. So it's kind of, sense. so is your attitude like the numbers are low enough and I'm just going by New York. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. The numbers are low enough that we should just give this a try. Have parents said the same thing? Yeah. I think parents, are saying the same thing. They want their kids to play, especially the parents of kids that are athletes. Maybe the ones that aren't athletes are saying something different, possibly, which I understand too. But parents want to see their kids play as well. See, my whole thing with with school has been, I just don't think they're prepared to do, for example, what Syracuse did last night. Like what Mm -hmm. I saw, the, the amount of preparation and protection 
just seems hard. And in those schools, the class size is a big issue. So, for example, if you have normally 28 in a class, would you say that's fair in Liverpool? Like, Yeah, normally, yeah. 28. Yeah. And they're saying they shouldn't have more than fi- – at least in my, my class, you know, in, in my mm-hmm. rule, it's 15. If you have more than 15, you got to split your section and do it twice, and you don't get paid extra. Yep. And what do you do? And I t- we talked at the top of the show about I don't like half and half. Yeah, I'm not I don't a fan of half and half. I, I, I say keep it virtual or, or nothing. And I took my daughter. So my daughter's in seventh grade. Mm-hmm. And I drove up to the middle school to pick up a Chromebook. They have Chrome in our town. We pay ridiculous taxes. <laughs> yeah. We get Chromebooks, right? And we're in this town and we're in the Chromebook. And my daughter says to me, she says, Dad, I think you need to come with me. And I go, why? And she says, all the pa- look at the line, all the parents. So that's doubling the amount of people. Right. So, okay, so now I put my mask on, I go in, and now I'm standing there. And the assistant principal, who I've never met, is asking the kids' names because every Chromebook is assigned to a kid. So they need your name. And these little kids, they're seventh graders. They're, they're not loud. Mm-hmm. And the kid in front of us, she's like, Smith, I'm giving her a name. You know, S-M-I. And the principal, if this is the kid, this microphone is the kid, the principal's here. And the principal, with a mask, is going, what's your name? How do you spell it? And I was like, what in the world is this? And I just thought at that moment, I said to my daughter, I said, now you know why we're keeping you here? Right. (laughs) Like, do you have any doubts? And about two days later, my school, school district decided uh, everything's virtual till November. Yeah. And I, that's fine. I see. I can do that. Like I can imagine if all my students came on this Zoom right now, I think we could all have a conversation. But not yeah. half and half. Not. That's what we're pushing for. Teachers, I think, maybe like because the city schools in Syracuse, I think, just made a decision to go October sometime in October 30th and they'll make another decision, which, you know, kind of makes sense if you need a little bit more time to figure it out. Um, but someone like my boss who has four kids in CNS districts, Cicero, North Syracuse, he's got a 16 year old, 14 year old, 10 year old, and an eight year old, The eight year old might have to be home by herself some days. And how's that going to work? How's that gonna work? Because it's all and scattered. And that's hard because people work, right? People work, they work. He's athletic director, his wife's a teacher. So, you know, it's just a big, it's a mess. It really is. It really is. And I don't know what the solution is. And, you know, we, you and I haven't had the college football debate. Mm-hmm. So the college football debate to me is <laughs> college campuses are cesspools for germs. And there's no such thing as social distancing when you have 18 to 22-year-old kids you were in college, I was in college, and I loved college. I'll never take that back. And I was never thinking about what germs I could catch. I thought about right. making sure I had protection. That's all I cared about. And um, the argument, uh, to me, I thought the Big Ten and the Pac-12 was very prudent. Mm-hmm. I'm not happy about it. And, you know, you hear the stories. I, I see it on social media. Like, do you know how this is going to crush Happy Valley? 
I, I understand. I'm yeah. not happy. I'm not celebrating this. Right. But I, I love it football. Was I love football too, and I want it. And I, but I wanted the ACC to follow that. Mm-hmm. And my argument was: Can the SEC be the guinea pigs? Because the SEC has been like, well, you know, we owe it to America, and we have to play, and you know, th- th- this is crazy, and you're, you know, you you got to have some risk every time you get on a field. It's a risk, and both, you know, all this yeah. crap. And then Nick Saban, my favorite, who says, uh, "Don't misconstrue. We're not doing this for money." <laughs> okay. Uh, Right. So it's uh, the $9 million you get every year. Right. I'd like to sell you a bridge, you know, like, okay. <laughs> um, and so based on that logic, I wanted the SEC to be the guinea pig. And the Big 12, I didn't have a strong opinion either way. Mm. But when the Pac-12 and the Big 10 canceled, I said, wow. I said, I want the ACC to do the same. Yeah. And it was just to, to protection. And they're not. And I don't know, you live up there. Well, you're not there now, but but you you have a home up there and you're you're mm-hmm. part of this community. What's your thought on the ACC and the all the different. Oh, that changed your 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 camera. Sorry. That? Who is that? Dialed in. Was that you? Somebody dialed in. That's why. Sorry. Oh, no, that's fine. <laughs> um, did you um, how do you feel about the dome has been being renovated and it's going to open and you don't know who they're playing. And like the opponents, that's the thing, the opponent, let's assume Syracuse is taking this beyond seriously and no players are screwing around. Let's just Mm -hmm. assume that, which again, I'm having trouble with those numbers, right? You're playing these teams and you're not just playing them. You are on them. Yep. How do you feel about that? If they're going to go ahead and do it, you know, I thought, like the NBA and the TBT and the bubble worked. I don't know how football is going to work, especially if you're going to travel. You saw it with baseball, the major league where they were traveling between cities and these guys were contracting the virus. So how can they contain that? You notice only national league teams. Cause we've learned that COVID-19 uh, has a national league bias. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. So no American league t- players got COVID. <laughs> I would say I want to see the dome, but if, you're going to have football, but no fans. It's going to be half fans. or you going to be no, six it's, feet it's apart no fans. It, so it's it, no fans, but that's Cuomo. That's not Syracuse. That that's Cuomo. They'd have fans mm-hmm. if they could. Right. My, so, whole thing, my whole thing is, should, should Dino Babers be saying we can do this? Cause that's what he's saying. He's like, we can do this. We're fine. If he has that positive mentality, if he really thinks they can pull it off, then go ahead. If that's, you know, the kids are isolated at school, which you and I both know who knows what they're doing. Again, it goes back to how are they being isolated? How are they being quarantined? I guess they're being tested. I want to see him play biased as a fan. I want to see him play and obviously a Syracuse fan. That'd be great. So I want to see how it works out. To be honest with you. Syracuse opens up September 12th. That's not far away. Mm -hmm. September 12th at North Carolina, where they have 210 cases and mm. they sent their kids to all virtual. But their football team is is on the field. And my whole point is, that's who you want to play? Yeah. And they go to Pittsburgh. I don't know Pittsburgh's situation. Your first home game is home for Georgia Tech. Coming from Georgia, 
Georgia. <laughs> Just Georgia. That's all. Yeah. And then they ho- uh, they play uh, Duke in game four, the second home game. And then the third game, home game, fifth game overall, is against Liberty. Which Liberty. people are saying scratch that game. They're telling them well, to scratch that game. Well, of course you have to scratch that game, but they're not. Yeah. Because Liberty's paying a fortune to play Syracuse. Right. Yeah. And the two lines from Liberty, and I'll, have, I'll do this. <laughs> this Ryan's not going to want to be on the show again anymore, but. Number one, Hugh Freeze said that they're not going to test every week because none of their guys have symptoms. That's that's their coach. And Liberty, Jerry Falwell just res- resigned because he watches uh, his wife have sex with a pool boy. You what? Saw, you Come on, you didn't see that. I didn't Liberty? see that. Oh, my God. You know who Jerry Falwell is, though, right? Yeah. Jerry Falwell is the, the, the junior... He's the, the holier-than-thou president of Liberty, and he just resigned because some guy uh, who had a bad business deal with them uh, came public and said that he used to sleep with his wife, and the guy watched. Which, again, I, I, I want to state for the record, if everyone's consensual with that, I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> I just... That's crazy. If, if you're watching and you do that, I'm not judging. As a matter of fact, put your email in the chat. But, <laughs> but, but uh, Liberty, hip, Mr. Hypocrite, Mr. Right. Racist Hypocrite. Yeah. And uh, Brent Axe, a good good guy we both know, yep. uh, has done uh, written a bunch of columns saying you have to take that game off your schedule. For COVID reasons, for social reasons, for 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 racial reasons, yeah, there's a million reasons to cancel that game and cancel Liberty. And right now, on August 28th, October 17th, they're scheduled to play Liberty. It's not about money, though. <laughs> well, that's Nick Saban. <laughs> to to their defense, that was that's Alabama, Alabama, <laughs> who has 500 cases but pressing on. Yeah. Could you imagine being a teacher at Alabama? No. You'd wear a stormtrooper helmet. You, I, I wouldn't. I would dress like the Mandalorian. I would not go in that classroom. No way. And they're not online, obviously. Yeah, no, they haven't they're, decided. They're going forward. They're they're they're, they're going forward. Wow. It's brutal. How many students at Alabama? Forty, thirty, thousand. Two seconds. Yeah, I mean it's, it's a lot. Students. At University of Alabama. 38,563. 38,000, yeah. That's pretty fast. Um, so they're going to be in class. They're going to be at parties. All right. Makes sense. University. Uh, this is the Washington Post. This was uh, two days ago. More than 500 cases at the University of Alabama in Tuscaloosa. 160 at the University of Missouri in Columbia. Um uh, this is the U- Alabama president, Mr. Stuart Bell. Must make a pretty penny. Uh, he says, the rise we've seen in recent days is unacceptable, and if unchecked, threatens our ability to complete the rest of the semester on campus. Five days after classes resumed, the mayor of Tusc- Tuscaloosa temporarily closed bars and warned that the local health system could become overwhelmed. Ohio State suspended 228 students for virus-related violations. 
it's crazy because I was watching um, something the other day and the two reputable scientists were talking about, you know, how long it takes to get vaccines for viruses. And they said it takes years, seven, eight years, sometimes up to 20 years. And so you're supposed to wait that long, you know, even with something like SARS. and the- That's Hakeem Warwick's point. Hakeem Warwick came on. We did a watch party during a Lakers-Blazers game. Mm-hmm. And Hakeem Warwick came on, and we didn't expect this at all. But we started talking about Jim Beheim's comments, which were Adeline. And we were just commenting on him, and I think we played him. And <laughs> out of nowhere, Hakeem Warwick was like, oh, he's right. We were like, what? <laughs> and the people in the chat were like, this just became better than the game. <laughs> Watching a, t- a, K- a ton and a Keem Warwick. It's on the archives. If you go to the yeah. Twitch channel, uh, watching a ton and a Keem Warwick, uh, going to battle. It's like they're underneath the paint battling for position. They were on each other. It was wild. Um, that is great. I got to check that out. Oh, it's, 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 it's hysterical. And, I see people like that and there's enough people like that. And that's my problem with um, COVID because mm-hmm. okay, you're asking kids to be super disciplined. Let's use Syracuse as the example, because this is not far from the truth. So Syracuse is being super serious and they're taking this season very seriously. Okay. What happens if you lose three of the first four games and now you're one in three and mm-hmm. a hot girl invites you to a house party? Yeah, I'm depressed. That I'm going. I'm going. <laughs> You're going. Come I'm on. mad. Screw this season. Screw it. I don't care. Yeah. And release some tension. Yeah. Right. I gotta get out. I have to get. I have to go. And that's and that's my fear for the NFL too. Just for the mm-hmm. record. See, the yeah. NFL there's a massive paycheck and the contracts are not guaranteed. So the NFL I have more faith in. And the NFL I'm not saying don't play. Because the NFL has this uniform plan. Mm-hmm. And that's what the plan is. But the, the argument from my standpoint, at least from my standpoint, has been everyone's different. Syracuse is not North Carolina. And North Carolina is not Clemson. And Clemson's not Florida State. And you're yep. all different. And forget bubble. Like, this is what I don't like when uh, school presidents and coaches say, well, our players are isolated. Yes, today. But who are you playing against? Right. And do you know what their situation is? And that's where I have, I have misgivings about colleges, and I'll say the same thing about basketball. Now, in basketball, I heard, like, you know how the ACC has the ACC Big Ten Challenge? Mm-hmm. If you do that, you could isolate everybody. Yeah. You could put everybody in a bubble for 10 days and play, you know, a week's worth of games, and then everybody goes to their respective schools. Right? Right. You could do that. Yep. And you could leave the bubble once your game's over. Yeah. Like if Syracuse plays Ohio State, I'm just making a matchup up. If Syracuse plays Ohio State, when that game's over, you disperse. So the bubble is big in the beginning, and then it dissipates. Yeah, that's what we did in the TVT. Right. Once you lost, you leave. Yeah, you leave. And that's yeah. what's going to happen in the NBA and the NHL if they ever get their first rounds over. Right. <laughs> but that's the argument. Like, if you're a hockey player, just to go back to that conversation, if you're a hockey mm-hmm. player and you're busting your ass in this thing and you can't see your kids, you can't see your wife, you're stuck in your, in your uh, hotel, you can't go anywhere, you can't do anything, and you just want to go home. 
Tuka Rask, the uh, goalie for the Bruins, said, I'm out of here. And he took off. And luckily, the other goalie's been playing well, or else they'd be, like, calling for his head in Boston. But still, he just said, I can't do this. This doesn't feel right. I'm out of here. Yeah. And you're asking 22-year-old kid, and I'm assuming they're all seniors. Mm-hmm. But, like, they're, they're young kids. And I don't I don't know. Yeah, like the freshmen coming in, like, <laughs> what are they supposed how to disciplined do? are they? What are they supposed to do? Yeah. And like my students yesterday, they're all juniors, seniors, and grad students. Like they're ready to go into the world. Like they know what they're doing, but mm. they're not hanging out at house parties on you know Euclid Avenue and <laughs> on a Thursday night. And, yeah. And house parties is where it's happening because the bars are closed. I think. Right. Like. Yeah. Aren't the bars closed? Like. You can't go to 44. Is 44 still there? You can go off campus downtown because they're open. The Armory Square. And the restaurants are open. Yeah, Armory Square. A lot of places open. So they get off campus. Uh, we had that happen at a house party at high school at Liverpool probably about a month and a half ago. I think one girl had it, went to a huge party. And then, like, some of the football players contracted it. So they had to halt their workouts, you know, at Liverpool. So, yeah, it's the same thing. Same thing. Um, I hear you. I hear you. And I'm not putting Alan Griffin's supposed to join us in a couple minutes. Um, I'm not putting him on the spot in that. How do they play? It's, it's not, you have, you have to understand the tone. It's not, how do they play? It's how do they play? Yeah. How disciplined can you be? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have I told you my Marek Dolajai joke? No. I want to kidnap Marek Dolajai. And I want to steal his metabolism. <laughs> I want to That'd do be... like an X-Men thing. Did you see that he eats like 7,000 calories? to try? Well, to I saw he put on 10, 15 pounds and he still looks like he's he looks like a you know, thin as a rail. How does he do that? I, I, just I want, don't know. I just want his metabolism for like an hour. I saw Billy C like the other day. He came into town and we saw him and uh, he was the same way. Like he would eat and eat and drink beer and he just was just thin. That was his body type. Do you hate people like that? I hate yeah, it people. sucks. I, I because I love to, I love to eat. I love food. <laughs> I, love food. I hate to, I hate that more than anything. Yeah. Um, have you enjoyed having sports back? Yes, has I have. It been, has it been really cool, or is it just like you got into a routine In, without it? Yeah, on a person. I mean, I got into a routine, but I was starting to get bored. So once the TBT. They said they were going through with that. That was great because that gave me a chance to get back in the gym, be around the guys. And then the NBA went through, and those, like I said, those games were great. Baseball, you know, I watch just because something's on. Golf, What's I enjoy. Team? What's your baseball team? Growing up, Cubs. Right, because you grew up Cubs fan. Right, Cubs fan. So, you know, that was happy when they won a few years ago. But um, yeah, it's been great. It's been great. The basketball has been great. I thought. The. The playoffs have been great. The regular season was, eh. no, yeah, that was kind of tune up. It kind of like was exhibition. It seemed like, yeah. Um, but lately, it's been good. I thought the NHL did a better plan, but they have more competitive balance. Mm-hmm. What they did was they had an extra round to the playoffs, and they gave nine, ten, eleven, twelve seeds a chance to play in a five-game series against five, six, seven, eight. So five played twelve, six played eleven, seven played nine, and. Seven played ten and nine eight played nine. Yeah. And in these five game series where intense is crazy because that's the playoffs. 
that it was playoffs. It was early, and it was playoffs. And from the minute they dropped the puck, it was fighting tooth and nail because of those teams, they all think they can win the championship. The New York Islanders right now think they can win the whole thing, and the NBA doesn't have that. It's my mm. criticism of the NBA, and Atan hates it when I do this, but my thing with the NBA is when you were the Washington Wizards, like how or the Brooklyn Nets, like what were you supposed to do? Like you're just there, like you're you're a place filler, like that's what it feels like to me. And yeah, Phoenix made a run, and that was kind of neat, but the reality of it is that's few and far between and this um this first round yeah that that was great when portland upset the lakers like that added drama right but nobody expected that to continue you know what i mean like you have the rare upset like everyone remembers uh denver beating seattle yeah everybody remembers absolutely Right. right we all remember that in hockey that happens every other year yeah you know, like there's the Washington Capitals. They make the play. They win the President's Trophy every year, and they what they've won once. And that was it. And it was when they won, they got the monkey off their back because there are so many playoff exits. Mm-hmm. And when you are in a first round playoff series in the NHL, and you, now they're into their second round. But when you're in a first round playoff series and you go to overtime, you are playing f- like you think that that's the end of your world, and that's intensity. Yeah. And the NBA can't match that intensity. The, the NBA can match it in the finals, maybe, or in the conference finals, maybe. Mm-hmm. Conference finals, finals. Right. I mean, how many years did we have Cavs, Warriors? It was like, okay, this is part. And you knew whatever. that in November. And you knew it. You knew it. You knew it. Yeah. It's a, I agree. It's, it's, it's hard. And for those teams at the bottom, they're just not that competitive. When a team wins 19, 20 games, that's tough for a season. Sense- do you sense that there are a lot of teams that are not trying? You know, I think there's a lot of youth too compared to, you know, you've got like the LeBron James, who's a veteran, a veteran team. And then you've got teams that just are very young. Um, they, cause they're drafting kids so young and they just need time and they don't have a lot of experience. I just think that's the, the huge disparity there. Huge difference, you know? Um, and then they always say the teams throw games to try to get a better lottery pick, um, which I've seen. Which is crazy you know, it's, Orlando did that, I think, a couple of years ago. But it's hard because all you're doing is increasing a percentage point. Right. Like you go from having a 13% chance to an 18% chance. How many games did you have to lose to get and, to that? And as a competitor and coach, I can never do that. It, dr- it would drive I, me crazy. I could right? never see myself saying, I, I intentionally want to lose to these guys. That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, It's I, tough. It's, it's hard. And, and it's one of those things about the NBA that I have always sensed. Look, I, I'm, I don't want to go on a massive tangent, but I was not a David Stern guy. I was an anti-David Stern guy because I was I worked for the Seattle Supersonics, and David Stern conspired. I mean, people who have watched the show, you know, um, move the team. He conspired with Clay Bennett to move the team, and yeah, you know, I I remember I did a podcast when David Stern died, and I had to do it in segments because I wanted to give him the respect for revolutionizing the NBA the way he did. Mm-hmm. So I had somebody on that was um, very – I'll tell you all the names. I think I had a ton on because um, he was from the union perspective, you know. 
Here, I have the guest list. When we did the legacy of David Stern, um, it was it was it was a ton, but then we put a guy in Seattle at the end, and it was like, are you out of your mind? Like, like David Stern's name is mud in Seattle. They can't stand him. And it's just so funny. Like, if you're going to tell a story, tell it completely. Tell the, right, the complete story. Yeah. I tell the same thing about Kobe Bryant. Like, if you're going to talk about Kobe Bryant, talk about the good, the bad, and the great. You know, you, you t- talk yeah. about him. And, you know, that's, that's part of the whole argument. So I wasn't a big David Stern guy. But I mm. used to accuse the NBA because I thought that as long as their network games featured good teams – they didn't care about any other teams. Like, they don't care. They, they personally do not care about other teams, the, 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 the bottom-rung teams in the NBA, and they wouldn't even consider bringing them into the bubble. You know what I mean? They, and, and to their defense, the NHL didn't either, but the NHL lopped it off at the 12 seeds on each team. Didn't they try to like, do something in Chicago? Weren't they looking to they do something with all the, the, yeah. all the teams that weren't invited? They were going to do their own bubble. And I thought right. that was a great idea. I thought it was a great idea. I was all for it. I, I was like, do do that. That's that's wonderful. Because it was more content and it was safe. As long yeah. as it's safe. It, when we're talking about basketball, notice we don't talk about COVID. Mm-hmm. It's not in the vernacular. It's not part of what we discuss and I get the sense that it's very, very different that way. Yeah. Because, I mean, from my standpoint, the bubbles are the bubbles. Yeah. And I'm officially saying that the NFL is bubble, bubble free. Like, the, it, as long as you keep having, they had 23,000 tests, zero positive cases, play on. That's crazy. Play on. Zero. Zero. Five That's staffers, nuts. five staff members, zero players. Yeah. Again, if they're lying, they're lying. Just like Syracuse has three, and I have the <laughs> I have the map, and I, I haven't figured out how to share my screen, um, but I have the Syracuse University COVID tracker. Where is it? Oh, here it is. The COVID tracker: new student cases since last reporting period one. Current active cases within Central New York, not just on campus, ten. Students currently in quarantine, 39. Changes in current quarantine, 13. Uh, total tests administered on campus, 21,656. Total <laughs> recovered cases, 23. Interesting. And then CDC said, don't test anymore. It's not. There's no reason to test if you've been around somebody, unless you have symptoms. Which is crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. And but they have ten. Alabama has five hundred and sixty. I don't know how. And forget Alabama. I shouldn't pick on them. S- North Carolina. North Carolina has two hundred and ten. Yeah. That I mean that's that's the argument. But like I was saying, in, in when sports are bubble free or COVID free, I like the sports. What what has been your thought on baseball? You know, like I said before, it's, they were traveling, and it just seemed like that was the bad idea. Uh, bubble, they needed to be bubbled, and when they started to travel um, and guys started to contract the virus, then 
obviously that just showed that a bubble works and the, their system wasn't working basically i mean i just i don't know how they can you know i don't know oh they just announced the nba postseason officially resumes tomorrow um the the thing with baseball i thought was there was no res- no rules when it came to what they were going to ask the the players to do at home mm. you could go home and to me that's day camp like what yeah. if a kid at day camp his father's a doctor and he's exposed or his mom is a, a healthcare worker why can't mm-hmm. she be a doctor like who knows I, i'm not i'm just i'm throwing examples out you know and your exposure is then based on you're not partying you're not going out carousing but you have exposure yep. and that was my thing against baseball and I find that no one's following the, the COVID rules. Like, they all high-five. They're all sitting on top of each other in the dugout. When somebody gets a hit, they all, you know, mm-hmm. you know the, the helmets and everything. And I don't know. I just – I'm surprised there hasn't been more of an outbreak. The yeah. Cardinals thing made sense to me. The guys went to a casino. Smart. And the Marlins thing, supposedly that wasn't a big party situation. That was – a catcher for the Marlins and a catcher and a player on the Braves uh, grew up together in the Dominican Republic and they hugged. And that was it. Yeah. And 18 players got it from that. And that's why if you have a, a, a kink in the, in the, in the bubbles of the NFL, you're going to have it spread wildly. Like yep. You can't not. Yep. And one other thing about uh, the NFL, and we should take a quick time out because you can get uh, Alan on. Okay. And we can take a break and stretch our legs and stuff. Um, the the issue from my standpoint with uh, the NFL is they had the 77 false positives. You saw that. And that was on a Saturday night. That was last Saturday night. If that's during the regular season, that impacts your regular season. Like, you can't yep. play on that Sunday even if they're false positives, you don't know. And you couldn't take that chance because if you could imagine 10 players on the Chicago Bears coming in, I don't know why I keep picking on the Chicago Bears, but you can't imagine them coming in and taking the field and just tackling all over the place. Like, I don't know. And I think the NFL made a bad move uh, canceling their preseason games because they have no idea what they're doing. Nothing. You, you have these teams, you know, and I just use the Jets because I cover the Jets uh, together. They have uh, four new offensive linemen. They have not taken the field against an opponent <laughs> until week one, and they're going to get slaughtered. They're going to get slaughtered. That's crazy. And guys are going to get hurt, and it's just going to be messy, and I can't imagine. I can't imagine. And I don't know how you're putting expectations on these things. I can't imagine. It's one of those Yeah, it doesn't people. make sense. It uh, it doesn't make sense and that's that's kind of where I've been at on this whole thing and like I said, when they have their numbers that they're putting out, I stand out of the way. You know what I mean? I I don't I don't comment. Um but let's see how it happens, you know? Right. Let's, let's see yeah. how it happens. All right. We're going to take a quick, you know, 3 or 4 minute break. Uh we'll come back with SU assistant coach Alan Griffin or at least that we think. And as soon as we know, uh, we will get that going. So we will take a quick pause. We'll be right, right back. There you go. 
There we go. There What's he is. How are you? I'm doing great. How you guys doing? Great. What's up, bud? Great. Um, am I hey, supposed to hey, call buddy. you? Am I supposed to call you um, uh, Coach, Coach Griffin, or Milk Dud? What am I supposed to call you? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you I don't know, know where I, you got I'll, that from. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, you could call me the Dud Man. The milk Dud, dud man. is okay. fine. All right. And then the I have dud one man. other yeah, message yeah, yeah. before we get into this conversation. Um, Atan Thomas has a message for you. He says, you suck uh, for never returning my calls, and I'm about oh, to start taking it personal. Oh, Tell him that on oh. air, word for word, please. I read it. There it okay. is, right there. You know what? It's right there. And, and I, you know what? And I was supposed to call you. I forgot to call you, Tom, back to tell him that I couldn't make it. I had dinner reservations that night, and I just never called him back. And he knows that I love him. So the, uh, that was for the watch play. party. That was yeah, for the yes, watch yes, party yes. when Atan and Hakeem Warwick went battle for battle um, because Hakeem Warwick uh, agreed with Coach Beheim and Atan didn't, and they went to war, and it was like the – it was like <laughs> – and people in the chat room were like, this is better than the game we're supposed to be watching because the Lakers were blowing out the Blazers. And, man, those guys could yell at each other. That was fantastic. Uh, that was awesome. I wish I was a fly on the wall there. Oh, yes. Well, I should have tuned in. I should have tuned in. I well, now tuned I have in. your email, yes, and I'm going to send you the link because you got you to gotta see this. Uh, Hakeem Warwick was in rare form. That Next to the block, that was the best moment I've seen of Hakeem Warwick. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. How are you? How is uh? How is how is school? Uh, how is camp? How is how is practice? How is things at Syracuse? I was there yesterday. It's weird there. It's it's, it's a little weird. It's uh, one of those things where you know it's just not normal. Uh, and obviously the times were not normal. But uh, for the most part, you know our guys are being as responsible as they can be and uh and that's allowing us to be with them as much as we can right now so we're pretty happy with that and we're pretty uh, proud of those guys for you know taking this stuff seriously ryan, ryan yes one. no if, if you want to talk to coach <laughs> you want to talk to milk I mean, over we, here we, we talk well i talk day. to him every day i'm literally with him every day oh so um, yeah, every, he, he lives he lives two blocks away from me and uh we're together all the time, so it's been what I haven't seen you in five days. So I miss you, bud. Yeah, oh, I miss you too, bud. I'm, I'm shaking. I'm, I'm I miss you so much. Hurry up back. Hurry well, up Alan, back. Alan almost. Uh, what well, he didn't almost. He had a chance. Obviously, you saw that to to go to Indiana, and um, obviously decided to stay in Syracuse. And your thought process, you know, decided to stay in Syracuse. What was that all about? What made you turn down the job at the offer at Indiana? You know, I, I just think that, you know, Syracuse has always had a special place in my heart, you know, being a player here, you know, obviously even before I was a player here with Pearl playing here and stuff like that. Um, So um, the decision wasn't, you know, hard. Uh, right. And, you know, obviously my, my friends and family are here um, and, you know, obviously you, you know, our relationship and stuff like that. It just and, and we got a good team coming back. And you know what? At the end of the day, not too many people can say they work alongside of a Hall of Fame you know, coach. And, you know, I have the pleasure of having that and, 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 you know, being next to him and seeing how he operates every day, you know, you can soak all that stuff up and uh, hopefully it can make me uh, not even a percentage of a coach that he, you know, he is. So but it, um, I'm, I'm very, for, I'm very fortunate. It's, it's a testament to though, um, you're a hot commodity and you're 
you know, being around you and knowing you and playing and being your teammate, you know, being a good recruiter, not everyone can recruit like you do. And I know that I've seen you around kids. I've seen you around, even when I bring my kids around from Liverpool around you, um, the relationships that you build uh, and, you know, the energy that you bring and your personality uh, is a great fit um, for what, you know, kids, you're, you attract kids and that's a great thing. So it's good to be an asset and that's a you know testament to you you know i listen to a lot of rap music and i just you know the hip-hop today and i just take you know some of the lingo and then you know apply it to the kids and boom i'm an instant friend you know the friend to the ends don't say you're blasting the wop the wop song around no, no i you know you know what's crazy i've never heard the song into its entirety I, I i don't i don't know if i can i just don't I mean, I, I don't know. I just, I don't have no interest in listening to that song. I, I, know, I know a lot of people are losing their minds over it, but I just have no interest in the song. So They must I'm never heard the Two away. Live Crew back in the day. I mean, two it's pretty crew. long the same. Oh, I mean, it's pretty crew. much yeah. the same stuff. Uh, Uncle Luke. Blast. <laughs> Uncle Luke. Yeah, Uncle Luke. Uncle Luke. Yeah, Old so. Dirty Luke. <laughs> hey, I'm old enough to remember when, uh, when, when Purple Rain came out and uh, Tipper Gore uh, challenged... Oh challenged uh, the lyrics and said that then that led to the um the uh explicit lyrics on the cds back yep. then it was cassettes it was it was it was that uh i'll ask both of you guys because we're similar in age but not the same what's your what's your music if you're not trying to recruit young players to play at syracuse what's your what's your music when you want to go out and, and and hit the gym or and i'll ask the same thing to ryan but coach first I, you know, like 2000s, you know, hip hop uh, and, okay. and you go back into the early, in the late 90s, you know, with Biggie and Tupac and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Yeah. So that's that's my uh, my go to. And then, you know, when I want to mellow it down, I listen to some, you know, some R&B. Uh, so, yeah. OK, Ryan. The same. If I'm if I'm going to work same. out and go to the gym, it'll be Biggie, Tupac. But I like the new, newer stuff, Drake. Uh, Rick Ross, yeah. um, you know, Fabulous, which is obviously, you know, 2000s and Jadakiss, uh, Nas, guys like that. So some of the newer stuff I, I enjoy. It's OK, um, but I'm, I'm more old school. I prefer old school more a little bit. Yeah. All right. That's um, why we get along so well, Seth. But, like but, then when we're but when we're hanging out, just drinking wine or something and just kicking back, we'll I'll throw on, you know, uh, Something the uh, earth, wind, and fire, earth, wind, and fire all day. Now you're Commodores. talking, now you're speaking yeah. Right. yeah, 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 yeah. A little Anita Black Baker here and there. Um, Anita Baker, wow, oh, yeah, Black's, Black's the uh, the uh, DJ of the crew. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. I've got 5,000 songs on my an array of music on my phone, so I love music. We could have done this whole huge show music on that. Fan. We were talking, about we could have, oh, yeah, COVID nonsense. My goodness. <laughs> I did the wrong show here. There are no issues in the world to talk no about. Issues in the world. Let's talk about some music. Uh, coach, let's do one COVID thing because, because I want to ask you about um, some, some things that are going on on campus and in the world. Um, North Carolina has 210 positive cases. Alabama has 560. Syracuse has three. How? Yeah. It just doesn't I, it, seem I'm, right. Seth, I'll, I'll tell you this. Our administration has done such a fabulous job in terms of, you know, the awareness to our kids and, and doing whatever it takes for that number to stay as low as possible. And, you know, on top of that, I think, uh, you know, for, for us, for basketball, a coach 
talks to our guys every day about being responsible, uh, wearing your mask, washing your hands, social distancing. Like, and he's been abnormal about it. And um, and 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 again, like you know, uh, I can I can praise our you know administration for so much. They've done a phenomenal job. Our trainer Brad Pike has been on it. He's been on committees. He's been you know, doing so much stuff with COVID. So he's way ahead of the game and he's been, you know, getting our guys to understand that this stuff is serious. And, um, and, and our guys are, you know, doing, doing a great job, you know, because I think they want to play, you know, I, and they know if they go out and be irresponsible and, you know, our numbers go up, then obviously they're going to shut it down and, you know, ain't no more, you know, working on the mellow, you know, our games might get, you know, cut. So you just, you know, these guys really want to play. They work so hard this summer, the times that they can work. And and I think that's why our numbers are down because they're really responsible. But do you believe, and you don't have to name a school if you don't feel comfortable, but do you believe that other schools that you're going to be playing against are treating it as serious? Because I'm telling you, NC State's football program had to stop because they had an outbreak. And we they're on Syracuse's schedule, and I know you're not dealing with football; you're dealing with basketball. Well, but but to me, it's what? it's all about in the NFL. Everyone seems to be following the same rules, and in college, everybody yeah. does whatever they want to do. Yeah, I, I I think also too, if you kind of look at you know the states uh, that these outbreaks are happening, you know, in these schools. Is, I mean, the, the numbers are high. They, they, they're spiking again. And uh, and for us, you know, Governor Cuomo, you can say whatever you want to say. He, you know, he's been extra cautious. And, and I think that's why, you know, our numbers are going down and our numbers are down. And, and uh, you know, that's a testament to the work and, and the, the, the hard decisions that, you know, Cuomo had to make. So, uh, but I just think that the states that, or spiking is where those schools are, you know, uh, are, are happening at. But also, too, kids are coming from Florida to go back to school, go back to, you know, uh, schools in North, North Carolina or somewhere else like that. And, um, and and maybe they have it coming to campus and, you know, and, and, and attracting it. So um, it, it's unfortunate, you know, that, you know, some of these situations are spiking a little bit, but hopefully they can kind of get it underhand and, you know, we can get back to, you know, playing collegiate sports, which, you know, we all need it. I mean, it's just a staple in everybody's, you know, family and and, and, and f- with friends and, and watching football games, you know, on Saturdays. And uh, it's, it's important. But now I'm reminded, um, you and I met Coach Griffin. We were watching an SU football game. Who was I with? Um, oh, my God. The running back. Was it? No, the running back. Uh, Mungro. Mungro. Oh, J- James, James Mungro. Mungro. Thank you. Yeah. J- yeah. James Mungro and I, and I left to use the restroom, and you took off. And I was not supposed to take that personal. I just remember that. No, no, no. <laughs> I, you know, during, during, during the football games, I'm, you know, I'm, I got a bunch of buddies. They got boxes, so I'm bouncing from box to box and, and uh, just hanging that. around, you know. And I came yeah. back, and I saw James, and I go, Where'd Coach Griffin go? And he goes, I don't know. He took off. And I went, was yeah. it something I said? Did I do something? Probably <laughs> something you said. It yeah. probably was something I, I said. Uh, <laughs> he is just rude like that. That's I really know. what yeah. it is. Uh, you can tell. You can Really? You, you can just see it on my face. Um, yeah. Did you speak to your team 
Uh, after the events of this week in Kenosha, Washington, did you speak to your team one on one as a group um, just about things that were going on Wednesday when when the NBA shut down and, and all the things that are just being said? What did you as a coach say and do with your team? Well, I think as, as a group, coach addressed it to everybody and basically, you know, opened up the floor to, you know, some guys, if anybody has something to say, you know, let's talk it out. But for the most, you know, other than that, uh, no one really stepped up. I, I just think in those settings, sometimes kids can be a little intimidating, you know, uh, of, of you know, in that setting. Um, but, you know, the one thing that coach really did say is, is that, you know, it is going to take more than just wearing a T-shirt and writing on, you know, on your sneakers, uh, Black Lives Matter. Like, you know, it's, it's about action. It's about getting out there, you know, hopefully this election, you know, voting, um, you know, being a responsible adult in, in your community, you know, and, um, and, and going about, you know, understanding that, you know, we all created equal. Uh, and, 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 and he really kind of hit home on a bunch of points and, you know, walking out of there, if I was a student athlete, I, I would walk away saying, you know, my coach got my back, you know what I mean? So it was, uh, it was good. You know, the guys were great about it. And, you know, it was just one of those things, Ryan, what's your thought on? What- yeah, it would be interesting to, you know, because when we were in college, we didn't really have anything this big, this magnitude. And I just think of myself now at 43 and, you know, being so much older and having so much, so many more experiences, you know, how we would react when we were in school at 19 and 20. I'm not sure, you know, if we would, you know, be vocal, um, you know, because you're just so young, you, you, you don't have a lot of experience. Like you said, a lot of guys probably, uh, are just probably shocked, um, probably confused as to what's going on. Um, but now being a lot older, Alan, and we spend a lot of time together, we have a lot of conversations. So, and I think it goes back again, it's good to have a foundation, somebody like coach and you guys and, uh, you know, their families at home that they can lean on and talk to and communicate with. It really, at the end of the day, it really comes down to communication. Um, we don't communicate enough, um, in between cultures. And I think basketball is and sports in general does a good job of bringing people together to have those conversations. I can see you're looking over at practice. And if you have to run uh, one, one last question, do do you think that, um, do you think that the, the way pro sports has reacted starting with the NBA and then going into baseball and hockey and even the NFL do you think that has a massive impact? And I'm not trying to demean it when I say this. I would rather hear from cops. And I told Aton next week when we do the show, and he wants to have people on to talk about this, with all due respect to both of you gentlemen, you know the respect I have, I want to hear police officers. I want to hear police officers denouncing this stuff because I just feel like we did this wrong. We've had this conversation. Right, right. We've had both of you guys on talking about this before. I told him about Joe, Alan. We just spoke about Joe um, and the oh. cops that we know in Syracuse and how, you know, they're all good guys. And we've yeah. had conversations with them. And it's it's unfortunate that they drive down the street and they're given the middle finger by kids and people in the community because, you know, obviously with the times, are, you know, the situation, it's it's crazy. It- yeah, you know, and the things that I don't condone and the things that I, I get really mad at is, you know, I, I'm watching CNN this morning and, you know, there's a cop, 
you know, just standing by his patrol car and somebody just threw something at him and hit him in the head and, you know, basically could have killed him, you know, if it hit. And, and I'm just sitting there saying, like, that, that's just not helping the, 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 the cause. You know what I mean? Um, you know, yeah, you know, obviously protesting is is good and it's great, you know, but looting and rioting uh, sometimes is it, just one of those things that, you know, it, it's very wishy-washy with me because I just don't see the reasoning about it. Yeah, it, may, it is taking money out of big corporations when you go to, you know, targets and stuff like that and you loot and you and you, you do all that stuff there. But, you know, is that really going to help the change? Because to, to be perfectly honest with you, you know, a lot of that stuff, the looting and stuff is in your own community. Like, you know what I mean? You're burning down your own community and like, and you're just making it, you know, worse. So you come outside your door, you see you know, boarded up buildings all the time. Like, I mean, it just, um, I, I just don't understand it. Um, uh, it's something that I probably will have to understand why they do that part of it. But um, again, like I, I, I know a bunch of police officers and, and, and I know that there are good guys out there and good guys that are police officers. So, you know, it's just, you know, you, you it's hard to, how you going to differentiate them? I don't know, but you, we just got to figure out a way. We got to figure out something that's going to work for everybody. It's well said. I, 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 like I said, I, I am just, I quoted uh, Bradley McDougall, the safety for the New York Jets, and he just said, and I thought it was very poignant, he just said, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And yeah. I just that, want, definitely. I just, you know, I'm thinking of things and, you know, when, when they decided to put Black Lives Matter on the court, everyone thought that was a huge gesture. And yeah, there was some right wing nut jobs that hated it, and I didn't understand yeah. that. I didn't understand what the what was so offensive about it. I thought it was very nice, but I didn't yeah. think it was saved one life. I didn't think it stopped one racist cop from being a racist cop. Yeah. And I'm not trying to demean it, but I'll say that about Colin Kaepernick. What did Colin Kaepernick do? If this is all still happening, it's still happening just as much as it did back in 2016 as it did back in 2013 and on and on and on. Well, I, I think I think with the, the Kaepernick thing, it, it, you know, it's making, you know, the people that, you know, that looked upon him or frowned upon what he was doing, making them look really like like really bad. Um, and, and, uh, and, and he's brought so much awareness to the issues that's happening today. Now, yeah, bringing awareness and, 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 and acting is two different things. And, and I, I just think that now that the action part is coming, the action part is here. Um, and, 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 I, I, and I think that um, he, he was before, like almost before his time, and, and he should be up there in terms of, with all the great, you know, social activists of our time. I mean, it's because uh, it, it was one of those things where he sacrificed. He went out there, he sacrificed. He knew that he was going to get backlash, but he was sick and tired of being sick and tired. Ryan, you want to get the last word in here? Because well, got to go to practice. Yeah, and it's and I, we said that I alluded to it earlier. And, and, and Alan, what do you think as a culture besides – you know, protesting and kneeling and getting people like Mark Cuban to, you know, put pressure on police departments for funding. And what can we do as a culture on our end to better ourselves, um, you know, to 
because it's not just one side. We, there's got to well, be, there's more moving it, pieces and dynamics to this. Well, it, it, we got we to gotta be at the table um, and guys like ourselves got to be at the table. We got to find a way to get to the table, especially with law enforcement. But, you know, and, and my thing that I remember back when I was growing up, now obviously police brutality been going on for a long time. And sure. the one thing that I always remembered was that there were like three or four cops from my neighborhood that used to patrol my neighborhood or so from that style, which was, yeah, they knew me or I knew them. And it was always, you know, it, it was always one of those things where they understood the culture. Mm -hmm. So they understood right. that not all of these kids are doing bad. Yeah, they might be on the streets or whatever, yeah. well, but they're not doing bad or they're not trying to be bad. You know, and, and I just think that there's a disconnect in terms of understanding the neighborhoods yeah. that you're patrolling. And um, yeah. and I think that that's, that's huge. And that's a huge piece to it. I said that exactly earlier, that there's a huge disconnect and the people that you're patrolling sometimes aren't the people that you're used to, that who you grew up with. And you're not used to being around certain, an element of people. And that's, you know, that just goes back to your experiences and that experience is yep. the best teacher. And some people just don't have that. Well, I, I yeah. appreciate the sentiment. I, I do. I just, I, and I have no problem continuing the dialogue. I just want to move it forward. Yeah. I, I don't want to feel yeah. like, yeah. and this doesn't, but I don't want to feel like this was the same conversation that if I turned on the archive and I saw the, the shows we did right after George Floyd was killed and it's going to sound the same. You know what I mean? I just want to, when I thought we were doing the show today and I found out Ryan was doing the show today, I just wanted to say something different. That's all. I liked what you said about the police yeah. speaking up and hearing a voice and hearing yeah. police speak up and hearing their side. And, and obviously part of the problem is the police feel like Joe said, he feels defeated and their department feels defeated because they feel like people are just giving them the middle finger. So that's tough too. No, but I, what I said is that, you know, if there's a rally in, you know, downtown Chicago, um, and there's a microphone or a megaphone or something, get a cop, and I don't care if he's white or black. Yeah. He doesn't have to wear the uniform, and he's off duty, but have him hold up his badge and say what we're saying. Yeah. You know what right. I'm saying? And say that, and have right. it be from a cop, because when it's a cop, right. it matters more to me, to me. Yeah. Right, especially, especially in these times, definitely. And if you know somebody in your force... That is that is a racist. If you see mm -hmm. something that is just derogatory, report it. Report right. it. Get that but guy. Also, point that guy out. Yeah, that doesn't it, happen it, a lot. You know what, Seth? You know what though? That, that also to you know we might need to spend a lot, a little bit more money on screening, because I mean if you screen these people, some of these people, you, mean, you, you mean can tell right away. It's too easy to yeah, get yes. into the force. Yeah. Well, it's because well, it's a hard job I, I mean, and it doesn't see, pay a lot. Right. But also, too, I'm saying screening ways. you can look at social media, you can, you know, see a lot of stuff that are kind of have red flags where you like, all right, you know, maybe not this guy, this guy, you know, um, but, Especially you know, nowadays, again, it's so polarizing, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yep, fellas, I really appreciate you guys having well, thanks me. Thanks for doing this. Thanks, um, thanks for doing this, Milk Dud. Thanks. All right. All right uh, you have a message. Hold on. Hold on. Do you have a message for a ton? Tell him I love you. I, I'm sorry. Not texting him. And, um, <laughs> I'll, I'll make I'll make I'll make it up. Okay, that I'll write. Uh, <laughs> the last part. Uh, I'll write. I, I, I like him a lot, but I'm not writing he, that. He's yet. my 
he's my he's my teammate. I love all my teammates. They're all good guys. And I just covered the team, and I you just said that before. Nice. <laughs> well, uh, no, I didn't say that before. No. <laughs> That's true, uh, Coach. Thanks uh, so much. All right, no problem. Thanks uh, for having me. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, that is, we can take that, and there we go. Ryan, thank you so much. Let's go. To well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I had a good time. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, and we got to yeah. talk about some some real issues. And I found out your musical tastes. Next time we'll open with Anita Baker. And... <laughs> you would love. I I've, I've literally all over the board. I love music. Love I it. do too. I I you know people people uh, who watch this show know. Um, you know, I usually only play uh prince because well first of all i'm that's my favorite but also um he gave when i worked with him in 2013 he gave us all this music to play and it's non-copyrighted music so we have it and that's why i play it on the show so it doesn't get flagged by by twitch yeah Um, but i love earth wind and fire and i love um uh what, what other music that i oh lenny kravitz that's my Lenny's great. Yep. Uh, Stevie Wonder. Santana. Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder. Um, I could listen to Stevie Wonder all day, like literally all day, and just go down a rabbit hole, and I don't mm-hmm. come out, and I, yeah. and I don't come out. And it's that's just Stevie Wonder's great. Um. Yeah. There's the. There's plenty of wonderful things, and yeah. there's such good music, and and yeah, I would love to live in a simpler time when we can do a show and just talk about music. Yeah. I said to Atan months ago. I want to do a show where a bunch of people come on and rank their top five ESPN 30 for 30s. Oh, that'd be good. It'd be so much fun, right? It would be yeah. so much fun. And what I would try to do is get the trailers, and I could call up the trailers to all of them. So, like, when you when you name your first one, I could go, oh, we have that. And you know, Rec Room for a, bit, for a Big East was oh, amazing. The best. The that's best. one of the good ones. Elway to Marino, that's a great mm-hmm. one. Uh, my favorite. Bad Boys. Oh, that's I love the Bad good. Boys one. Yeah. Uh, my favorite is the June seventeenth, nineteen ninety four. It's the oh the OJ. One. It's OJ and and the Knicks. Uh, yep. uh, Rockets. And I remember that day. I interned at uh, WFAN in New York, and I was at that Rangers parade for WFAN, and I started my day at that parade, and I ended my day watching that. And I have you have two minutes. I'll tell you a great OJ Simpson story. Yeah. Like I have a great OJ Simpson story. Sure. So there is a guy at WFAN named Paul Olden. Paul Olden was the, the one-time voice of the New York Jets. He was the one-time voice of the Tampa Bay Rays, and now he is the public address announcer at Yankee Stadium. Mm. He's the guy, your attention, please, ladies and gentlemen. Like, he's that guy. Yeah. And in the summer of 94, he was a, a sports anchor at WFAN in New York, and your job as an intern was to answer the phone. And I answered the phone, and some guy on the trading floor, it was a Monday morning, some guy on the trading floor at the New York Stock Exchange calls up in a panic, and he says, hey, can you guys confirm this? O.J. Simpson killed his wife and her friend. And I went, what? And uh, he goes, you got to tell me. And I said, I'll look into it. You know, that's all I could say. I go over to Paul Olden. And I say, uh, we got just got a call from the stock exchange. Um, O.J. Simpson killed his wife and her friend. And Paul Olden, who is about 20 years older than me, looks me in the eye and he called me son. And I hate that. 
And he goes, son, you have to learn to have a nose for news. Don't chase red herrings. O.J. Simpson couldn't kill his wife. And, and that's what he said. And we sat on it. We didn't do anything for five hours, my entire internship. I get off the, the I get out of the, the, the fan, and I turn on the news and traffic station. Our top story, O.J. Simpson's wife found dead. And I was like, oh, my God. We, you know, and at that point, you didn't know that he was connected. Yeah. And no, no one knew any of that. But I was like, oh, my God, that guy knows something. Yeah. And to this day, if I see Paul Olden, I will go up to him and I'll go, hey, Paul, you idiot. And I just go, you still think there's no chance? You still <laughs> think there's no chance? Like, I, And I tease him all the time. And that's my favorite OJ story. That's great. All right, man. Uh, let's do this again. Absolutely. I'd, uh, I'd love to. All right. That's Appreciate Ryan it. Blackwell, folks. I'm Seth Everett. Have a great weekend. Uh, we'll see you Monday at 1 o'clock Eastern time. Mm-hmm.